the Steelers surge, San Fran sinks, and we've got a new number one straight ahead on the Tuesday Touchdown. What's up, NFL fans? It is time for the Tuesday Touchdown. I'm your host, Kevin Boyler. This is your weekly tour of the NFL, broadcast live from the 24-7 Sports Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Tonight, we're revealing our latest NFL power rankings, and we've got a new team taking the number one spot heading into week four. These are the only power rankings you'll find, by the way, that are revealed live with the expert who made them, yours truly, available to field your criticism in real time. Also tonight, we'll have Brian Diardo join us via the 24-7 Sports video chat line. He covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for us here at 24-7 Sports and will tell us how your team can trade for all-pro running back Le'Veon Bell. If your team needs a running back, you do not want to miss this. Before we get into all of that, though, let's take a look at the poll. Tonight, we're asking you, has the NFL gotten too soft? Hit that heart reaction if you think the NFL is just fine and everyone is making a big deal about nothing. React with the angry face if you think these new rules protecting the quarterback are tearing away at the very fabric of the game. Real quick, before we get started, we need everyone watching the show right now to please share this video. It only takes a second, and it helps us reach a much larger audience. Lastly, after the show, be sure to find us on Facebook Watch. Remember to follow 24-7 Sports Live if you want to be notified the next time we broadcast. All right, the show is called the Tuesday Touchdown. Let's get it started by breaking the plane. Fitzmagic was foiled on Monday night as the Pittsburgh Steelers handed Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers their first loss of the season in Week 3. A good magician knows never to reveal his secret, but Big Ben and the Steelers must have had them figured out all along because they had an answer for every one of Fitz's tricks. The Steelers may be back, but Le'Veon Bell is still missing, and recent reports say that the all-pro running back is now on the trading block. Teams are clamoring for his services and hope that Bell can be their savior, but trading for him is going to cost an arm and a leg. Factor in the additional cost of signing him to a contract extension, and this is one Bell that will definitely leave your ears ringing. After coming off the bench and leading the Cleveland Browns to their first win in over a year last Thursday, Baker Mayfield has been named the team's starting quarterback moving forward. Cleveland has gone through a bunch of quarterbacks since the turn of the century, but Browns fans believe Baker may be the one. He's already won the city free beer, and for some, that's better than a Super Bowl. Baker wasn't the only one who got a starting nod after Week 3. Arizona Cardinals rookie quarterback Josh Rosen will also make his first NFL start this weekend. With Sam Darnold holding it down for the New York Jets and Josh Allen leading the way for the Buffalo Bills, four of the five quarterbacks selected in the first round of this year's draft are now in starting roles. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is the only one left on the bench, and to make matters worse, he's forced to watch Joe Flacco. The San Francisco 49ers are suffering from a little bit of heartbreak this week as franchise quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo has been lost for the season to a torn ACL. It's a crushing blow for the 49ers, but some in the Bay Area are telling them to suck it up. After all, San Fran is only losing its quarterback. Oakland is losing its whole team. New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees broke the NFL's all-time record for career completions in Week 3 and will continue to rewrite the league record book every time he connects with one of his receivers from here on out. For a team that loves to play indoors... The Saints sure love a cool breeze on Sunday. Philadelphia Eagles center Jason Kelsey recently shared some intimate details regarding the hands of Carson Wentz and Nick Foles, claiming that he can tell which quarterback is taking the snap based on the way their hands feel. Kelsey says Wentz has hands that are soft and very affirmative, while Foles has hands that are very large and strong. Now that Kelsey has gone full weirdo, don't be surprised if the Eagles start calling more plays out of the shotgun. Those were the biggest stories of the past week. Get your comments in on each of those topics and feel free to bring up any others when we open up the phone lines later in the show. In a few minutes, we'll reveal my week four NFL power rankings, but before we do that, let's check in on the control room and take an early look at the poll. Mike, the producer, what's up? What is going on, everybody out there, all of our fans? Pleasure to join you on this Tuesday night on the Tuesday Touchdown. Has the NFL gotten too soft? 37 of you say yes, it has, and only two of you say no. I'm curious who those two that say no are right now, but 37 of you are on the side of Clay Matthews. Yes, and the quote that we're referencing is from Packers linebacker Clay Matthews. This from the Green Bay 
Press Gazette after the game, Clay Matthews saying, unfortunately, this league is going in a direction I think a lot of people don't like. I think they're getting soft. The only thing hard about this league is the fines that they levy down on guys like me who play the game hard. So Clay Matthews has been penalized three weeks in a row for roughing the passer, and he's not happy about it. I know a lot of Packers fans feel the same way, and I think fans across the NFL are starting to feel that way as well. So don't forget to vote in that poll. Now we say hello to Steve Toronto, who covers the Carolina Panthers for us here at 24-7 Sports. Steve, you've got Christian McCaffrey on today. He looked pretty good against the Bengals on Sunday. Tell me again that Christian McCaffrey can't run between the tackles. <laughs> I would never say 28 such a thing, carries, Steve. 184 yards. He only caught two passes after catching 14 the week before. Who's a scat back now, Kev? Yeah, I'll say he looked pretty good. And I think if anyone was happy about it, Cam Newton's got to be happy about it. After leading the team each of the first two weeks in rushing, that's what they drafted Christian McCaffrey in the first round for. It is, and, al and also the fact that, you know, I, I wrote something for Panthers today about how everyone wants to compare, oh, you know, D.J. Morris is producing nearly as much as Calvin Ridley is. Cam Newton hasn't had to throw the ball to win games. He threw for 150 yards on Sunday. And, but, and by the way, you know, if you want Calvin Ridley's record, you also want the Falcons' record, or, or Calvin Ridley's production, do you also want the Falcons' record? Good point. Panthers are 2-1, and one, not having to really rely on their passing game. Falcons have put up numbers all over the board, and they're one and two. I'm looking in the comments section now, and some early reaction to the poll is really, really uh, telling. Fenton, Alyssa, Debbie, all agreeing, saying that the NFL has gotten way too soft. Alyssa saying exactly right. Cheryl saying, I agree. So a lot of people agreeing with Clay Matthews after what we've seen uh, lately. So I, I, I think that there's a lot of fans that definitely sympathize with Clay Matthews right now. Just checking in on the other fans that are here. Stefan, DJ, Larry Dell from the year 2026 checking in. Love having our fan from the future here uh, to tell us what he thinks about it. So he says that he's actually traveling to 2019 soon. So. Hey, send, uh, send John Titer my regards. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll hear from Andrew, our Bucks fan, uh, from north of the border at some point. But I hope to hear from all of you. Drop in your comments section, uh, in the comments section, where you're watching this from, where you're tuning in from, who you're rooting for, uh, who your team is, and also let us know what you think about the power rankings. Remember, Brian Diardo will join us via the 24-7 Sports video chat line at the bottom of the hour to talk all things Le'Veon Bell, including how your team can trade for him. But I've been promising my week four NFL power rankings, so we got to hit those first. Let's work backwards this week and see how it goes. All right, so starting at the bottom, new 32, it's Arizona Cardinals. They look like the worst team in the league after the Buffalo Bills did for the first couple of weeks, but the Bills got an astounding win over the Minnesota Vikings. So the Cardinals are last. 49ers are down 15 spots. It's all to do with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury. Houston Texans, they don't have the offensive line for Deshaun Watson to get going. They're down to 30. Oakland Raiders blow another second-half lead. They're down to 29. Sam Darnold, I guess the honeymoon is officially over. They're down five spots and now at 28. The Buffalo Bills, as we mentioned, up five spots. The Dallas Cowboys down nine spots. The Dallas Cowboys looked like a completely different team against the Seahawks than they did against the Giants. They looked more like the team that took the field in week one when they played the Carolina Panthers and uh, couldn't get anything going on offense. Outside of that big play, uh, I really don't know, uh, in the early goings of the Giants game, that Cowboys offense has been pretty stagnant. And now they're behind the Bills, or the Browns, who are up two spots after picking up their first win since 2016. So big day, big week for the Browns coming in at 25. I think they went wire to wire, 32 last year. So seeing them at 25 is quite astounding. The Seahawks are up six spots. I'm not sold that everything is fixed there for them, but it's at least trending in the right direction. So there they are at 24. The Indianapolis Colts, after beating the Washington Redskins in week two, and then playing it tough with the Philadelphia Eagles. Both of those games on the road against tough NFC East opponents. I'm giving them two up in a uh, after some tough losses. Uh, I don't know if you believe in moral victories, but that's the closest thing to it. Tennessee Titans are staying put at 22. Tough win on the road against Jacksonville, but that offense has to get something going. Only nine points in that game. All field goals. The Denver Broncos are down three spots. I think they showed their true colors on the road against the Baltimore Ravens after picking up a couple easier wins in the first couple weeks of the season. But I think uh, without Phillip Lindsay, when he got ejected, that team started to show what they really are. I don't think Case Keenum's a guy who's going to go on the road and win you games this year. And uh, he may not even win that many games for them at home once it gets a little colder, as Steve T. has so aptly pointed out. 
he's not a cold weather quarterback. Detroit Lions are number 20 after picking up their first win of the season. Was it a quality win against the New England Patriots? We'll see how things end up shaking out, but the Patriots look like they're more in disarray than the Lions getting it together, uh, although the Lions did have their first 100-yard rusher since Thanksgiving of 2013. They got to like the early returns on Carrion Johnson at running back, the rookie. The New York Giants are up one spot after beating the Houston Texans on the road. That's their first win of the season as well. The Chicago Bears are up a spot, but still hanging back at 18. I want to see that offense get going before I start jumping on them as a top half team. Uh, they got to make that climb. Uh, otherwise, uh, it'll just be the Khalil Mack show, and uh, I'm not so sure they'll be able to hold on to that lead in the NFC North with just him. The Los Angeles Chargers are down five spots. That might be a little harsh on a team that's played uh, both the Chiefs uh, in week one and now the Rams in week three their only win coming against the Bills but those two losses coming against tough teams so I may be a little harsh on the Chargers by dropping them five spots but at some point you got to get a win let's clip it to the other half all right top half starts with the Miami Dolphins am I disrespecting them they're 3-0 undefeated and I only got them at 16 but they're up five spots they've only beaten teams that rank below them on these power rankings next week they're playing the Patriots that's the game I'm watching for these Dolphins as a litmus test the Washington Redskins have been all over this power ranking. We've seen them at the bottom. We've seen them at the top. Now they're right in the middle at 15, up 11 spots. And I think everything to do with the Washington Redskins' success is whether they can get Adrian Peterson going or not. They were able to do it last week against, or this past week against the Green Bay Packers. They weren't able to do it the week before uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. So that seems to be the determining factor for the Washington Redskins because they look great when he runs well. They look terrible when he does not. The Baltimore Ravens stay put at 14, even though they picked up a pretty decisive win over the Baltimore Ravens or over the Denver Broncos. I just don't know who you can put them over in terms of the teams that are directly in front of them. And considering they just played the Bengals in Week Two and lost pretty handily, I guess you could say, uh, in, on Thursday night. So I can't put them over the Bengals just yet, even though the Bengals lost to the Panthers this week. I've got them one spot ahead of the Ravens. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers—they fall only two spots. Uh, they didn't—they they went down at home to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but as you can see, I got—I'm pretty high on the Steelers. Was before the season. I'm back on that Steelers train now. The Carolina Panthers are up a couple of spots. They're—they're they're climbing there, and you see these NFC South teams—they're—they're ta stacked tightly there from 12 to 9 because the Falcons are number 10 even though they're 1 and 2 down two spots and then the Saints cap out those NFC South teams at number 9 but they're all trying to break into that top 8 and I'm wondering who it's going to be the Saints are up six spots and probably the hottest of those teams the New England Patriots are down two spots yes things aren't looking great in New England right now but I don't want to be the fool who jumps ship way too soon and the Patriots sail to another Super Bowl so I'm keeping them at eight right now uh, down two spots Minnesota Vikings are down five spots after an embarrassing loss at home they were just got the doors blown off by the Buffalo Bills but you can't be too reactionary in this game yes that was the worst loss we've seen of any of these premier teams but you can't go week to week like that. I know it's still early. The sample sizes are small, and that is one-third of, of what we've seen them do, uh, and that was a total stinker. But this Minnesota Vikings team looked pretty solid in each of their first two outings, and so I'm going to keep them at seven right now with the potential for the, for, for the floor to fall out if things go awry again on Thursday night against a tough Rams team. The Jacksonville Jaguars are down just one spot after a tough loss at home to the Tennessee Titans. For some reason, the Titans just have the Jaguars number. I'm not going to go too hard on the Jaguars, considering they're still waiting to get Leonard Fournette back at full strength, and I still think this, is good, this can be a good team when they're not playing the Titans. The Philadelphia Eagles are up two spots, back in the top five. Carson Wentz is back. It wasn't the prettiest win over the Indianapolis Colts. I watched the whole thing from start to finish, uh, really assessed his game. He was a little sloppy in the rain, but... The Eagles needed him back so badly. I don't think they would have won that game without him. And uh, he's going to get more reinforcements moving forward. So only expect the Eagles to climb moving forward. The Green Bay Packers are down three spots after losing kind of big, <coughs> excuse me, to the Washington Redskins. But I'm not coming down too hard on them. <coughs> excuse me again. But any team that has Aaron Rodgers has to be within uh, – Earshot of the number one spot. You all right there, buddy? Yeah, I could use a little water, but I don't know what happened. Anyway, the Pittsburgh Steelers are up six spots. We were talking last week about how they could jump back into the elite tier. Well, they did it. 
with a big win on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're up six spots. A lot of people might not have them as number three in their power rankings right now, but I do. I was big on the Steelers coming into the season, and I, I know they don't have Le'Veon Bell, but that's just even more impressive considering how good that offense has looked without Le'Veon. And then the Los Angeles Rams, they're up a couple spots as well. Big win for them. They've won their games, each of their three games, by an average of 22 points. So the Rams are being really dominant in the early goings this year. However, the three teams they played have combined to win just one game. So I want to see them play a quality opponent that should come on Thursday when they play the Minnesota Vikings. And then the new number one team that everyone's been waiting to see, it's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes is on an absolute tear. 13 touchdowns, no interceptions. It's the most touchdowns in, through the first three games of a season. And it's just amazing that he hasn't really goofed at all. He's running Andy Reid's offense to a T. I don't think that... Alex Smith could have dreamed of running this offense like the way Patrick Mahomes has so far. It doesn't even matter that this team doesn't really have much of a defense or hasn't shown much of a defense so far. We'll see when they're actually put to the test and need that defense in a clutch moment. But right now, the Chiefs are rolling with just that offense, and it's pretty scary for anyone who sees them coming up on their upcoming schedule. So, jumping into the comments section, just want to know what you guys have to say. Larry Dell is, of course, a little bit uh, skeptical about me having the Steelers at three. DJ thinks that the Rams should be at number one, but he at least respects them being number two. And then Stefan is another guy who doesn't like the Steelers at three. I know he's an Eagles fan. He always thinks I'm disrespecting the, the Eagles. Look, man, that was a pretty close game against the Philadelphia or against the Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, I wouldn't be coming at me. I'd be coming at your own team and telling them, hey, look, you look a little better next week. Now, I got to give Carson Wentz for, for making those moves, though, and doing so well without, his, uh, without a lot of his weapons. Now, Kev, I want to uh, just take a little dive into the NFC South here for one sure, second. Sure, yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah, uh, just because you've got three of them back-to-back. -back, Four wanna, of them. Saints, Falcons, Panthers, Bucks. there from 9 to 12. Or, or, excuse me, I, yeah. I, I almost forgot about that. I just wanted to, you to explain some of your reasoning as to why you have the Falcons over the Panthers when we just talked about the fact that the Panthers have a better record than the well, – well, I guess the uh, Week 2 loss. Yeah, uh, that has something to do with it. It has something to do with that. But I also, I also wonder, you know – have you really been, were you seduced by the fact that they uh, they put up uh, close to 40 in that shootout with the Saints, or is yeah. it? Uh, well, I can break down these, this NFC South pretty good here, but yes, the Atlanta Falcons had a great offensive performance. Matt Ryan had five touchdown passes in that game, and that's the offensive performance that the Falcons have been waiting for. And Calvin Ridley had three touchdowns in that game. He could be the answer to the Atlanta Falcons' red zone woes because uh, Julio Jones just is not getting in the end zone for them. So the fact that Calvin Ridley is is very encouraging for fans who have been just frustrated by the way the Falcons offense is going. Why they're ahead of the Panthers, even though the record is worse, these aren't NFL standings. They're NFL power rankings. And when we saw these two, two teams go head-to-head -head in week two, the Falcons beat the Panthers. Now, that game was in Atlanta. And the great thing about the NFC South and just division rivalries in general, you got to play in both stadiums. So at some point, they're going to have to go to Carolina and win there week 16. week 16, and that should be a deciding game for them. Yeah, I, I think... Uh one of the things that I really noticed about that Falcons offensive performance is that, you know, okay, that, that's good. That's all well and good. That was, uh, that was determined by game script. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan has to throw four or five touchdowns because I think, uh, God, what, what did he have? They had less than 50 yards rushing uh, yeah. with Devontae Freeman still out and Tevin Coleman kind of, you know, turning into a pumpkin after the uh, ghost of Haruki Nakamura uh, possessed the Panthers defense last week. Uh, so I think uh, I think when people really juxtapose these teams head to head, uh, and especially when it comes to DJ Moore, they say you know oh well you know DJ Moore isn't uh, isn't producing like Calvin Ridley has. I guess Calvin Ridley was the better pick, which is just a completely reactionary take after three games into their career. But uh, but you know the Panthers have not had to win games through the air. They've been able to do their traditional. You know, their offensive philosophy is, you know, run the ball and play defense and wear the other defense down, whereas the Falcons rely more on a fast passing attack and stretching the field. So it's just, I feel like it's an apples to oranges comparison, but, uh, but you know. The Panthers may be better suited when it comes down the stretch, actually, than the Atlanta Falcons, and it also depends on where the game is being played. There's no doubt about yeah. that. They, uh, uh, the Panthers have an advantage in the, in the uh, sense that they play the Saints and the Falcons week 15, week 16, pit of December, December football. 
And, uh, and I, I always rag on the Saints and the Falcons for being dome teams, but that, that, that matters down the stretch. Absolutely. You, you, get, uh, you get guys that play in that neutral environment out, uh, out in the cold, you know, they change. Yeah, and I think that the Saints are the hottest team in the NFC North or in, in the NFC South right now uh, because they beat the Browns in Week Two and then they followed it up with another win. So they're on a two-game winning streak, and it was a away game in overtime beating a division rival in the Atlanta Falcons. So you got to give the Saints the bump there. And then the Buccaneers, why they're at the bottom, I think the Fitz magic is starting to run out a little bit, and uh, it's going to be tough for them to keep that going. And now they may have a quarterback controversy, which isn't going to help at all. The one thing that separates the Carolina Panthers from the rest of this pack is Cam Newton is playing on an MVP level again. Yes. That's something to keep an eye on. He's got five touchdown passes, I believe, and three rushing touchdowns. Yep. Even though Christian McCaffrey had the big game on the ground with 184 yards, Cam Newton got into the end zone twice in that game. And if he's able to produce on an MVP level, the Panthers will always be a very tough team to beat. And that's why I like the Panthers moving forward. Not right now in terms of better than the Falcons or the Saints, but I do like them as a team that will continue to grow, continue to lurch forward. And if Cam Newton continues to perform on this level and avoid making mistakes. Cam, I've got some uh, numbers for you here, Kev, to support that argument. Uh, Cam is completing 67.4% of his passes, uh, which is way higher than his career high of 617 in 2013. He has a quarterback ranking of uh, 99.7, which is slightly better than his uh, MVP season uh, rating of 99.4. And he's thrown uh, five touchdowns to one interception in 95 pass attempts, which is a career high in interception percentage, 1.1. Nice. Andrew, the Bucks fan from north of the border, is in the comments section and says, just wait for the Bucks to spoil the Panthers' playoffs hopes. I'm sure we'll hear from him in a bit when we open up the phone lines. we got fans already asking for the phone number. Stay patient, fans. Remember, we've got Brian Diardo coming on. He's talking Le'Veon Bell. He's going to tell us, too, which team is in the lead to go and get Le'Veon Bell's services because he's on the trade block, according to reports. We'll find out everything, including all the things that uh, may go into a potential trade, what it would cost your team to go and get him. Tier two is pretty cool, but let's take it to tier one. I'm Please. interested in the New England Patriots here. They had a bad, bad loss to the Detroit Lions. Do you think this team really deserves to be a tier one? Look, as I said in the beginning, I don't want to be the fool who jumps ship on the New England Patriots, and then they sail to a Super Bowl. That would be devastating for my career because I would be just ripped apart by New England Patriots fans as a guy who didn't have confidence. And how can you not have confidence when they have Bill Belichick, the best coach in the NFL? Yes, he's going to get it figured out. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. He's 41 years old and not playing like Tom Brady of old so far, but guess what? Pretty soon, he's going to be getting Julian Edelman back from suspension. And, get, and you know what else? He's probably going to have Josh Gordon up to speed before too long. That passing attack is going to get better. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they were missing three starters. in Trey Flowers, uh, defensive end, and then Patrick Chung in the back end, and Eric Rowe. When those guys are healthy and back on the field, the Patriots don't look like the team that they were on, Monday, on Sunday night against the Detroit Lions. I think that this team is going to be motivated to beat the Miami Dolphins in New England because everyone's saying there's a new class in the AFC East. It's the Miami Dolphins. They're 3-0. They're undefeated. They're going to come and they're going to flip the script in New England and the AFC East is going to be flipped on its head. I don't think so. I'm sticking with the New England Patriots until I see something to lead me to believe otherwise. I just want to jump in here. One of the things that I think I'm seeing with the Patriots is for so long that they've essentially relied on this modus operandi of, you know, oh, we're going to get this scrub off the street and we're going to turn him into a Pro Bowl level, uh, level receiver or uh, other position or what have you. And so far from the mic, I just don't see that working. Like, you know, you take a guy like Philip Dorsett, for example, I don't see it with him. Uh, I know I was apoplectic about the fact that the Browns traded Josh Gordon to the Patriots, but, you know, if he can't get on the field and be active, in uh, in week three. Oh, you got to give Josh Gordon right. more than it. it took Philip Dorsett, for example, a year to learn the offensive system. You got to give Josh Gordon more than five or six days or however long it was. I think that Josh Gordon, if he does actually pick up this offense, can be a big piece for this. No, Patriots. I'm terrified of him if he uh, if he actually picks up the offense. He can uh, he can go for 300 yards and six touchdowns in that offense. Easy. Look, I think we've seen it before. 
We saw it last year when the Patriots got the doors blown off them in week one against the Kansas City Chiefs. We saw it a few years before that, 2014, when they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs and were 2-2 two and two through four weeks of the season, and everyone was saying, oh, Brady's done, the Patriots dynasty is over. Well, guess what? They said on to Cincinnati, and then they went on to the Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl that year. So I'm not jumping ship on the New England Patriots. New England's Patriots fans, hang tight. I think that this team is going to make a comeback. They're one and two right now. It's not pretty. I think that's They're their first time. They're still in a division in with the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. They'll be fine. Yes, that's right. I think it's their first time since 2012 that they've lost, lost two of their first three games. So definitely unfamiliar territory. Let's see if we can maybe hit a couple of the other tiers here. Yeah, Kev, I was going to say, when it comes to tier three, the Bears, I think they've been playing pretty well, admittedly, as a Packer fan. Do you think they deserve to be maybe a little higher? Aaron's Aaron's not very happy back here. I'm I shocked. <laughs> no, I, I do not think that the Bears deserve to be any higher than where you see them right now. And I understand that they're leading the NFC North right now at 2-1, and one, and they're higher than the Packers and the Vikings in the standings, but way, way behind them in my power rankings. But let's be honest. When you look at this Bears team, they barely beat the Cardinals, who are the last-ranked team in my power rankings. They needed a second-half comeback to beat the Cardinals, who have looked abysmal, had scored six points in the two weeks before that game. And so the Bears, I think Mitchell Trubisky does not really give them the best chance to win. I don't know who else you got, and you got to stick with him since he's a second overall pick and it's only his second year, but holy cow, Mitchell Trubisky is not really leading a potent offense, so to speak. It's all Khalil Mack and that defense. Now, that defense is good enough to get them to that 18 spot and maybe even higher if they continue to win. But when I look at some of the other teams that rank ahead of them in Tier 2 or just the Los Angeles Chargers at 17, I don't think there's any way the Bears would play the Chargers and win that game. The Chargers are a better all-around team, and I think they have the weapons to spread out the Bears and actually do some damage against that defense. I'm not so sure we've seen an offense other than the Packers in week one who delivered them a loss to really stretch out that Bears defense and push them to the limits. I think that what we've seen from the Bears is a little bit of early success, maybe even a touch of beginner's luck when it comes to Khalil Mack with his new team. He's not going to be able to get a strip sack every single game. They're not going to get a pick six every single game. So I think that the Bears are going to fall off a little bit, still be headed in the right direction, but I don't see them winning a bunch of games this, this year with their defense. I'm sorry. Kev, Kev, a Kyle Fuller interception, we would be 3-0. and Yeah, would That's be. That's it. Would be, yeah. And, and, and the Cardinals were a Josh Rosen fourth-quarter game-winning drive away from beating them. So we could play coulda, woulda, shoulda all day here. Kyle Fuller did not catch the ball. So that's that. Anyway. Kev Kev, real quick, because we got uh, and it's Brian. Not like, hold on. It's not like 3-0 would get you even that much higher, because look at the Miami Dolphins, who are 3-0 and only at 16. So I, I don't care about the records. We're not doing standings. We're, is it, if, you want, if you want standings, go look up NFL.com and just go read the standings. These are power rankings. This is my opinion on who would beat who on any given Sunday if we were to line up people today uh, uh, most of the time out of 100. If you line them up against each other 100 times out of 100, I think that the Chargers beat the Bears 75 to 80 times. Well, Kevin, your opinion's just wrong. <laughs> well, Kevin, all right, let's 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 get your opinion. We're saying 100 out of 100 times. Let's take it to Tier 4 real quick. Mm -hmm. Do you really think the Browns would beat the Cowboys the majority of 100 times? I actually think that they do for a couple of reasons. I think that Baker Mayfield provides the Browns with a little bit more hope on offense than Dak Prescott does. He's also got better weapons in Jarvis Landry and Carlos Hyde at running back. Now, Ezekiel Elliott, still a solid running back, but they haven't been able to get him going really. Uh, into the, they've gotten him in the end zone, but they haven't gotten him going for a 100-yard game uh, in the first two weeks. They did this past week, but it didn't really help them that much against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So I think that they got to get uh, more out of that offense. The Dallas Cowboys do. We've been talking about it for a while. The Cleveland Browns, by the way, I also think they have the better pass rusher. If you're talking about number one pass rusher, Demarcus Lawrence on the Cowboys or Miles Garrett. I think the Cleveland Browns, they take the ball away a little bit more than the Dallas Cowboys do. I would take the Browns over the Cowboys. I really would. I think with Baker, anything's possible. You, you saw that against the Jets. I yeah, mean, I he, think there's a little more hope. There's he hope. Comes spark. In and he's this complete zeitgeist. They, they, you know, he comes in the into the huddle, and those players are like, 
okay, Baker's in here, you know, good, we're winning this game. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that would possibly ruin it for him is I think that uh, Hugh Jackson is not a great coach, and he might do something to uh, goof it for him. So he, did, he didn't coach a bad game against, against the Jets. I didn't see Hugh Jackson make any glaring uh, errors in his decision-making. Oh, man, and they finally won, so there you go. He's, go got, he's got a quarterback. Give him a chance that now that he doesn't have someone giving the ball away like candy. All right, so I believe we have Brian Diardo on the line ready to go. Let's see if we have him. Do we, guys? All right, there he is, Brian Diardo. He covers the Pittsburgh Steelers for us here at 24-7 Sports. Brian, how's it going, man? I have breaking news. DeMarcus Ware got through the first round of Dancing with the Stars, so everybody at home can relax. Uh, he, he's good. He's made it through. Maybe made already made it further than Von Miller did. Wow, we didn't even ask Brian to come with breaking news, but he, he always yeah. delivers. What can I say? All right, so – so, Brian, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they got a win on the board their first of the season by beating the Tampa – or, I'm sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers got on the board with their first win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night. Are the Steelers finally back? Uh, not quite. They're not quite back. Chris Boswell missed a field goal and extra point. And Mike Tomlin standing by him, and as he should, you know, Boswell was a pro bowler last year. So special teams, Kevin, still an issue. Um defensively they're they're still a mess now they did get four turnovers yesterday but but uh, when when you still give up 475 yards or something like that yesterday 455 actually and uh 27 points 411 passing yards you're still you still got some issues uh mike tomlin is using three different cornerbacks in a rotation uh alongside joe hayden actually benched uh Artie burns the number one pick a couple of years ago last night in favor of Sensenbaugh. Uh, and they pretty much split uh, the snap counts between those three cornerbacks, Sensenbaugh, Cameron Sutton, uh, a second-year player, uh, and then Burns uh, about evenly. Uh, so they're still working pro progress there, Kevin, in terms of the defense. So offensively, uh, I, I think obviously, you know, maybe you put the Rams potentially in front of them and the Chiefs. But after that, man, this, this Steeler offense is, is something. Uh, this team is, is taking me back to 2015 where – you know, Ben tied, uh, you know, Drew Brees for average passing yards per game. Uh, actually led them. He led Brees, him and Brees shared the pass title in 14, but I digress. Uh, but the defense was, was pretty bad that year. It took them a while to get their stride. I think the defense eventually, Kevin, will, will find their footing. Uh, they got three sacks, as I said, and then four turnovers last night. But the pass defense is still bad. Uh, but the offense is there, and I think Ben Roethlisberger uh, should be not a front runner, but should be in the MVP conversation after three weeks. All right, well, the reason we brought you here tonight is to talk about Le'Veon Bell. Reports say he's on the trade block after he's held out each of the first three weeks here for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Steelers are realizing, hey, if we're not going to get any use out of him, let's at least get something for him. So how likely is it that the Steelers end up trading Le'Veon Bell? Kevin, here's the interesting thing, and some people within the Steel organization sources have said that if James Conner looked this good last year, Bell would already be on another team. But James Conner, they didn't have this James Conner last year. Uh, Kevin, I, I think that the Steelers, they, have, they have really have two realistic options. They're not going to rescind the tag. That's what Le'Veon ultimately wants. Le'Veon and, and his agent, uh, Desi Bakari, they want the Steelers to rescind the tag because then that would make Le'Veon an unrestricted free agent right now that literally anybody uh, that wants to could sign on to a long-term deal. The end game for Le'Veon is the quickest route possible to getting a long-term deal cannot get a long-term deal if he agrees to a sign and trade. And that's when you saw all these trade reports come out, Kevin. I think one thing, and I wrote about this, is that a lot of people are forgetting, Le'Veon and Bakari, the agent, have to sign off on whatever team the Steelers can uh, orchestrate a trade for. It's very rare, very low possibility, Kevin, that Bell and his agent are just going to agree with whatever's best for the Steelers. The Steelers might get a great offer, but Bell and his agent might not want Bell to go there. So I think it's, it's going to be very, very hard to, to trade Le'Veon Bell at the end of the day. I don't think he's going to play this season. That's my prediction. I thought once he didn't show up for week two, uh, what's the point for him coming back this season? Yes, he'll forfeit all that $14.5 million. But hit, again, his end game is getting the long-term contract on the open market in 2019. That's his end game. And I don't see any scenario this year with him playing that he would achieve that goal. Well, hypothetically speaking, let's keep the fans interested. If a trade were to occur for Le'Veon Bell, what would the compensation look like? What would a team have to give up in order to go out and trade for Le'Veon Bell? 
Kevin, the painful thing for the Steelers are, they should have did this in the offseason, but back to your question, ideally you'd want something for this season. So if, if, if there was a very good cornerback or a safety, you know, Eric Berry, for example, would be great for the Steelers right now. Earl Thomas would be great for the Steelers right now, but Seattle just drafted a running back. The Chiefs aren't going to get rid of Kareem Hunt for a wild card and Le'Veon Bell. So ideally the Steelers, Kevin, would want to get something uh, for Le'Veon Bell that will help them in 2018. I think the Steelers, though, are very realistic, Kevin. I don't. I think they know that's probably off the table in terms of getting value this year uh, in exchange for Bell. I think you're looking at a first-round pick. Uh, no no more, uh, maybe maybe more, but, but certainly no less for, for Le'Veon Bell services. They're going to get a third-round pick, uh, you know, if Le'Veon leaves the team, a compensatory pick next year. So regardless, they're going to get something from Bell. Um, I, I would, if I was to, to, to guess, I would say they're probably asking or wanting for a first-round pick in 19 and potentially a second-round pick in 20, something along those lines, or maybe a first and a third this year. It's going to be at least a, a first-round pick. Uh, that they're going to want. I can see them settling for a second-round pick no more than that. But I think they're going to come in strong, uh, multiple picks, leading with the first-round pick, and then maybe settling for a second if they are starting to fear late in the season that they might not get anything. But this is just assuming that Le'Veon even wants to play this season. I don't think Le'Veon wants to play this season. It also is assuming that teams really, really want him. We see Jake in the comments section here. It says, Kansas City doesn't even want Le'Veon Bell. Get out of here with that. So you triggered some Kansas City Chiefs fans by even suggesting it. But there are plenty of other teams that are extremely interested in Le'Veon Bell and know that he can help them moving forward. So who are some of the teams that you're seeing out there that maybe are emerging as a front runner for a trade for Le'Veon Bell? I mean, this will not happen. I think the Cincinnati Bengals will be a Super Bowl contender if they could get them. There is no way that's going to happen. Uh, maybe next year on the free agent market. Uh, I think Cincinnati's a pretty strong team, and I think they're the team that could challenge Pittsburgh for uh, the AFC North. They just don't have a running back. And I know, you know Steve Toronto's in the uh, – you know he watched that game, uh, Panthers-Bengals. Uh, I think the Bengals' lack of running game was the big thing there. Back well, that's question, be, well, that's because they I didn't have the Joe chip. Mixon. Joe Mixon's hurt, you know. You, you can't necessarily fault the Bengals for not having a running game when – Joe, Joe Mixon, uh, I think he had over 100 yards in the first two games. It's just that he's going to be out for a while with a knee injury. So, uh, I mean, you can you could argue that uh, the Bengals don't really have that much depth in the run game. But Giovanni Bernard's not a bad running back either. Well, what about some of the other teams? What about some of the other teams we've seen, Brian, like the New York Jets or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Jets are the front runner, you know, and I'm usually more wrong than right. But I did write yesterday morning that I, I thought the Jets would be the team, and then later the reports came out that the Jets have talked to the Steelers and they are interested. The Colts and the Buccaneers, those are, those are the three teams. Those are the three, the three teams Pittsburgh would be comfortable getting, you know, dealing him to. The Bengals aren't going to get him. They're not going to trade him to a division rival. Patriots aren't going to get him. I saw Stephen A. Smith wailing about that, unless it's in, uh, you know, on the open market. But they just they just signed a running back or drafted one in the first round this year, and, and Sony Michelle. So I, I think the Jets are the unquestioned front runner. Um, they have the cap space. Think LT and uh, Sanchez, but a better quarterback at Darnold and a younger uh, guy in his prime, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, and, I, and I think the Jets would pull that trigger. And I think Le'Veon would want to play there. Le'Veon has other interests outside of football. Obviously, people know about his wants to have a rapping career and whatnot. Um, the Dolphins certainly don't need him. Uh, I think that would be certainly team. Le'Veon obviously enjoys living in Miami, lives there in the offseason. I, I, but I think, I think in this order, it's Jets, Tampa Bay, and the Colts. Tampa Bay has an explosive offense. You plug in Le'Veon Bell there. I don't care if it's Winston or Fitzpatrick. He's going to make things happen. Uh, you know, they really – Tampa Bay doesn't use the running backs much. That would change with Le'Veon. The Colts, you get a chance to play with, you know, with Andrew Luck. He'd play on turf, you know, more, you know, less cold-weather games. So I think Le'Veon would, would be okay with that. Uh, but I think the Jets are the clear front runner, And I think the Steelers would love to trade him to the Jets from the standpoint, Kevin. You just made the Patriots – uh, season a little bit harder because they'd have to face Le'Veon Bell twice a year. So uh, I, I think it's the Jets if Le'Veon is to play on another team this season. All right, Brian, you made a lot of Jets, Colts, and Bucks fans happy. We'll see if Le'Veon can do the same because he's not making Steelers fans happy. Brian, we're glad to have you. As always, make sure you're following Brian on Twitter, at Brian Diardo. Brian, we'll catch you next time, man. All right, Kevin. Thanks, guys. See ya. See Great you show as always. Thanks, thanks. All right, so we're jumping back into the comments section, and actually, we'll open up the phone lines right now uh, since we got some time before we jump into our next segment. That number is 615-422-5240.
Call in, ask with any questions about my power rankings, about our poll. We're asking if the NFL is too soft, or if you want to talk about Le'Veon Bell and the possibility of your team signing him. We just had Brian Diardo on, and now we have our first caller. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Hey, what's up, guys? It's Daniel the Seahawks fan again. Daniel the Seahawks fan checking in. What's going on, man? Um, all I got to say is how about them birds right now, huh? Yeah, well, they finally got on the uh, on the board with a win, so it's a step in the right direction, but they were lucky to play a totally impotent Cowboys offense, if you ask me. Yes, but I have two questions for you, and I will make them rapid fire. And you're asking a lot of the fans if they feel that the NFL is going a bit too far with the roughing the passer. I would say yes. I'm just wondering, I would ask you the same thing. Do you and all your colleagues there feel that the NFL is doing, um, like taking this too far with the rough in the passer. I'll share my final thoughts on that at the end of the show, but Steve, I'll kick it to you. What do you think about the roughing the passer penalty? The Jason Pierre Paul call on last night when he just kind of, you know, does this to Roethlisberger and Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger acted like he got shot when that happened and they, and they called it for that. That's not football. It's, this is completely, the NFL just can't help themselves. They have to have something, whether it's a, the catch rule or this new sack rule. They have to have something that allows them to manipulate the outcome of these games. You know, it, it's just, and I'm not saying anything. I'm not, I'm not accusing anyone of anything mm -hmm. when I say that, but it's just. But these games do have an impact, yeah. or these calls do have an impact on the game. They, they do, and they, and they shouldn't. It's a bad PR, it's a bad PR move of the NFL because you don't want to look again like you're having the, the the guys in stripes influencing the uh, right influencing right. the end result and on and on, touching on that that Ben Roethlisberger play in particular uh, where he went down I think these new rules are going to breed some flop artists because they that are. was a flop and a half all right Daniel what's your second question um, the kind of thing is from what I'm aware of since I know that the next opponent for the Seahawks is the Arizona Cardinals. Um, for what I'm aware of, they're starting their rookie quarterback, Josh Rosen, over Sam Bradford. Yeah, another, another potential get-well game. I think they're just looking around the league and seeing what everyone else is doing. When you see the Browns put in their rookie quarterback in the second half and they go on to win their first game since 2016, it maybe opens some eyes and think, hey, maybe putting a rookie in the game isn't the worst idea, especially when you're looking at Sam Bradford and it's not really working out. And that, wasn't going to work out no, in general. No, no, and thank you very much for your call, Daniel. Appreciate that. And I agree with the Sam Bradford stuff. It was never going to work out for him, especially with his injury history. He was going to go down at some point. Uh, he's lucky to have been uh, give, shown the bench before he injured himself. All right, we got more callers. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Hello, ladies. Oh, Hello. my goodness. It's Jake, the Chiefs fan. We haven't heard you in a while, man. What's up? Oh, come on. I I'm not going to apologize. I mean, I'll tell you I was wrong. Well, I think the jury's still out, but I mean, for those of you who don't know what Jake and I are talking about, he's a diehard Chiefs fan, <laughs> and we've been talking all offseason, smack talking back and forth, because we're big Jimmy Garoppolo fans here at the show, or at least we were last year. There may or may not have been some offseason incidents that uh, turned us away from him a little bit, led to the retirement of a specific chant. Uh, but Patrick Mahomes has been great through the first three weeks of this season. 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. It's been no debate. But now that Jimmy Garoppolo has been put on the shelf with a torn ACL, uh, you know, the debate is put on the shelf for, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo until he comes back. Now, Patrick Mahomes definitely gets the benefit of the doubt in the intermediary, and he's clearly been the best quarterback in the league this year through three games. Now, we'll see if that continues once he starts playing some tougher defenses moving forward, but uh, I got to like where, th where it's going. Well, here's my challenge to you then, Jake. What's your, what's your Patrick Mahomes chant? Because we need a Patrick Mahomes chant if he's, new the, if he's the new quarterback of the show. Patty cakes, patty cakes, baker's man. Win me a Super Bowl as fast as you can. Oh, Jake. I don't know if that one's going to stick as much, <laughs> well, but I appreciate the effort all well, the same. Andy Reid runs the bakery, so I think that uh, that you're going to be far-fetched there. <laughs> I would, he's terrible with time management, though. So yeah. Also, for the record, for the record, 
The control room never lost faith in Jimmy Garoppolo, and I know he's down this year, but next year we will be right back on the train and doing the chant. I triggered some 49ers fans on Twitter the other day by saying that the 49ers overpaid for Jimmy Garoppolo. They uh, they went to their nearest homeless shelter. I mean, Starbucks and... Uh, <laughs> And they went on the free Wi-Fi to tell me how uh, how wrong I was. Hey, and Jimmy G's got more time to go on dates now that he's out for the season. Yeah, the degenerates in the control room really like that. I don't as much. So, all right, you saw my power rankings. We heard from some callers, and uh, you also heard from Brian Diardo. And many of you have been dropping your thoughts in the comments section about our poll. And you know what? A faithful member of the 24-7 Nation Army posted about this exact topic over the weekend. Let's take a look at that post and read some of the answers. So the post comes from David Brody in the NFL fans on 24-7 Sports Facebook group. He says, I think these new rules slash enforcement of rules protecting the quarterback are actually a no-brainer. Every year, teams lose their hopes and dreams because of a quarterback injury. Just look at the 49ers. Their whole season is over. Last year, it was Tannehill, Watson, Palmer, Rodgers, and Wentz. Luckily, they had Foles. Clay Matthews can cry all he wants, but the league has to look out for their best players. And that's exactly what the league is doing. It's looking out for its quarterbacks, its biggest investment. But some of the comments that we saw maybe spark some conversation here in the studio. Will Bredlow said, Wentz's injury was a dive into the end zone. There's no way to protect against that, and Jimmy G's knee buckled before he was even hit. Rodgers was scrambling when he got hit by Barr. Thing I want while I say that. Okay, so we, we're going to make quarterbacks a protected class. What about William Hayes, the defensive end for the Miami Dolphins, who was trying not to violate that rule when he died, when he uh, sacked Derek Carr, and he proceeded to tear his ACL because he tried to you know kick his leg out and it uh, just buckled from there. Mm -hmm. Just uh, you know, he William Hayes is not a he's a good defensive end, but he's not a superstar. Do we not care about his safety and well-being? Well, that's a good point. If you look at the if you look at the players that he mentioned, and Will makes a great point in his rebuttal. It says Carson Wentz's injury was diving into the end zone. There's no way to protect against that. And Jimmy G, his knee buckled. That's a non-contact injury. These injuries just happen. So. I suggested, and it's not what I suggested, it's what I suggested the league would probably do when I said last year that the Aaron Rodgers rule would come into effect. When a quarterback is rolling out and running out of the outside the pocket but still looking to pass, he loses the protection of what's called the two-step rule. And what that means is a, if, a, if a rusher is coming at him for, and he has, two, he has two steps, and if it comes from longer than two steps, then it's rough in the passer. And if it's shorter than two steps, it's kind of like he was just chasing him while he's running out of the pocket. I thought they would extend that protection, the two-step rule, to quarterbacks who run outside the pocket. Instead, they took the other aspect of that play, the Anthony Barr falling on top of Aaron Rodgers and injuring him and landing with his body weight, and that's what they decided to attack. Not the play of the quarterback and, and extending a protected protection to a different angle of the quarterback play what they did was attack the the style of tackle on the part of anthony barr and all defensive players who now drive quarterbacks into the ground well, and see, the most ironic we'll thing is that clay matthews of the packers has been hit the hardest with this rule we'll see if they did that though then they'd have to protect cam newton we're not interested in that we're just gonna give tory smith the same fine that we gave uh demonte kazee for uh for headhunting. Yeah. Some other comments in that, on that post that, uh, that sparked some interesting conversation. Dirk Diggler said, I agree with the original poster, but O-lines and offensive schemes haven't sufficiently evolved with the game. Defenders shouldn't be blasting through at full speed and body slamming QBs. That just shouldn't happen in this style of the game, period. And that's a good point in the sense that I don't believe that offensive lines get enough contact, full contact practices during training camp and don't see enough playing time during the preseason to fully gel. And during the first four weeks of the season, you're seeing something that really resembles what preseason used to look like 10 years ago. And I think that that's what Will is trying to say here, that defenses have this incredible advantage and the, dis the, the disparity in performance from defensive linemen to offensive linemen is actually putting the quarterbacks in more danger than the hits themselves. So maybe there's a problem there. Don't know. And then the last comment there, R.I. Epperly says, can we just put flags on him? They can just pull the flags and then he'll be down. And R.I., you may be joking with that, but a lot of fans are serious. They think that's where the, the game is going next. Let's get, uh, well, if you'd like to talk football with over 1,000 NFL fans, please find and join NFL fans on 24-7 Sports. The comment section here is great when we're live, but that group is the only place on Facebook where the NFL talk never stops as I lose my pen. So it's three e uh, easy steps, search, click, join. 
Uh, it's a real fun group. A lot of great guys there. Uh, Jake, who you've already heard call in, is always posting in there. DJ, who you see in the comments, is one of the moderators there. So great stuff. Great fans. Love having them. And I love that there's a place for the conversation to keep going even when we're not live. Let's take another call. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Hello? Hey, you're on the air live. What's your name and who's your favorite team? John and the Chiefs. All right, we got another Chiefs fan checking in. What's going on, John? Your team is number one in my power rankings. Patrick Mahomes, I want to talk Chiefs defense. Okay, yeah, I like that. Going tough. What do you think about the Chiefs defense then I'll comment? Well, the thing is we haven't really – the Chiefs haven't needed their defense. They clearly aren't a shutdown defense. Uh, they maybe are a bend but don't break defense. We haven't really seen yet. We haven't really seen uh, a situation where they need to make a stop at the end of the game on defense. We did see them come through with a couple big sacks in this most recent outing. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think about the Chiefs' defense? Are they good enough? I, I think that it's a great defense. I think that if people are overlooking the fact that uh, um, when the game is close, we're only allowing uh, 2.4 yards per play, which is rank one. Um, I think that Andy Reid is telling his defense when to turn it on and when to turn it off, um, not to risk injury through the season. Uh, when you're up by three scores, there's no reason for you to go out there and play hard and take a chance of an injury. Um, that's kind of what I see how the Chiefs are playing right now. I don't think it's ever wise to tell a team not to play hard, and I highly doubt that Andy Reid is telling his defense not to play hard, but you might be onto something that this Chiefs defense has a clutch factor, and that number, 2.4 yards per uh, play at the in, in the clutch, is actually pretty telling for this Chiefs defense and pretty promising for them moving forward, especially considering we still haven't seen Eric Berry which is probably the best player on this defense. So when he comes back, the Chiefs have a chance to really blow up. Although last year we saw this story. If, stop me if it sounds familiar. Get off to a 6-0 and start, and then the wheels fall off, and it's you know just picking up the pieces from there. So we'll see how the Chiefs develop from here. The phone lines are firing. i got to get some of these other callers in, if, the phone line, if it will let me. It'll ring in one second. One more second it'll ring. But anyway. We're trying to get more phone callers in here. We have a few more minutes before we uh, wrap up the show, and I'm going to have to refresh the page because we haven't had this happen yet on the Tuesday Touchdown. But the callers just broke Google. That happened a lot of times on the Boiler Room last year, but the callers just broke Google. All right, yeah, they props, fixed it. Props, callers. Good job. All right, there we go. There we go. They really busted. All right, welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. You're live on the air. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Hey, man, my name is Daniel, and I'm actually here in Nashville. How are you doing? Awesome. A Nashville fan. That's great. Daniel, glad to have you on the show. No, I was actually wondering. I have four favorite teams. <laughs> That's obnoxious. <laughs> but go ahead. You hear who they are? Yeah, sure. Lay them on me. So we do a hashtag, GTSR, and I, cause, because I'm a fan of the Giants, Titans, Steelers, and the Ravens. Wow. So you have a hashtag built just for that. How many people are using this hashtag? Because uh, that seems like a very rare collection of teams. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just me right now. But, um, you, know, we're, you know, we're big fans. And I'm big fans of all four. So we're just, you know, we're promoting it. All right, Daniel. Well, that sounds good, and best of luck for your hashtag. I don't know if I'm going to start using it, but if it catches on, you could say you heard it on the Tuesday Touchdown first. Another caller here. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Uh, my name is Ryan Anderson. Uh, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, and I'd like to uh, just kind of touch on the Le'Veon Bell to the Eagles talk. All right, I like, I like that. Let's do that. So you're an Eagles fan, and are you holding out hope that the Eagles might make a trade for Le'Veon Bell, or do you think it's nonsense? I think it's stupid. Um, okay. I think, like, currently within the next year or two, we're going to have to pay players like Carson Wentz, Ronald Darby, Jay Ajayi, and Nelson Aguilar. If yep. you're going to pay those type of players and trade draft picks, I feel like that's just setting the franchise up to suffer in a couple of years down the road. When you have money tied up and you have no draft picks to draft young players to keep the team fresh, 
you're going to end up like the Seattle Seahawks here. You know, you know what? what I do know what you're saying, and you make a great point because everyone wants to talk about what it will cost to go and get Le'Veon Bell in terms of draft picks. And we've heard a lot of people say, how about a first and a third? That's all great, but what about when you have to sign him to the contract extension where he wants at least $15 million per year, which would make him the highest paid running back in the entire NFL? So I, uh, I think uh, there's a little bit of a trepidation for any team that wants to pull this move for Le'Veon Bell or is at least considering it because it's not just the draft picks you have to give up it's also the compensation in terms of a new contract so thank you for bringing that up glad to have an Eagles fan checking in who's uh reasonable <laughs> let's see if we can get one more caller in here or maybe even two if it's quick if they uh if they come through I'm looking at the comments section here Ronaldo says they gotta they gotta get rid of Jason Garrett I think Jason Garrett's got a decision to make. He's got to he's got to take the play calling duties away from Linehan. All right, here we go. We got another caller on the line. This might be our last one, but you guys keep firing. I'm sorry if that's really annoying you, but welcome to the Tuesday touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? It's DJ. Hey, All right, DJ. Glad to have you. Great, great caller to end on. What's going on, man? So I've um, got two things on. So, um, this is a little contradictory. I don't. Um, I'm once um, about. Um, Seahawks in their game yes, Sunday, which I'll talk about first before I get into the other one. So, what are you guys' thoughts on Chris Carson? First touchdown from a running back on Seattle's team since J.D. McKissick last year against the Colts, and our first 100 rusher in I don't know how long. Right, that's got to feel good if you're a Seahawks fan, and if there's one guy who's relieved, it's Russell Wilson, because he's got to be like, oh, thank goodness I didn't have to carry the load on the ground for once. <laughs> and that was just the definition of a get-well game for the Seattle Seahawks. Everything went w w worked for them against the Dallas Cowboys, and uh, if they could play like that all season, it'll be a good season for them, and they'll, they'll exceed my expectations because I really don't think it's going to be a great year for the uh, Seattle Seahawks and uh, I don't expect them to be putting up multiple 100 yard rushing games but uh, Chris Carson was at least the breath of fresh air for the Seattle fans so why don't you con okay. contradict yourself now what you said you had a contradiction so what, what was your part so yes why is it that people say the referees need to let the players play and just let them play instead of calling so many flags, yet they're like, they don't want the players to continue playing hard because they're worried about getting injured, yet they want them. So I'm, I'm confused with some fans in, the, in that area. Look, no one likes injuries. No one is a fan of injuries. I think that just goes without saying across the board for any sport that we're talking about. Injuries stink. However, the reason we watch football is because we turn on the television and these guys are doing absolutely mind-boggling things with their bodies. And it's extremely dangerous. People talk about making the game safe. There's really only one way to make the NFL and the game of football safe, and that's to not play it. So injuries are part of the game. It's, it's what happens. And I think that they're making, they're just going a little too far with some of these player protection rules, particularly when it comes to the quarterback. And I think when you start giving preferential treatment to certain players is when you start losing fans. Because as Steve mentioned, there are defensive players now injuring themselves by not trying to injure the quarterback. And that's where I think the NFL is getting into trouble. That's where it could potentially start losing fans in the future because pretty soon this game is not going to resemble anything that they recognize. And we'll get into that in just one minute. Let's take one last look at the poll, shall we? We asked, has the NFL gotten too soft? And the answer is resounding. 86 of you say yes, only 7 of you say no. So I guess bring back the XFL. We have to wait until 2020, but I'm excited. We'll see then. We hope you're enjoying the Tuesday Touchdown coming to you live on Facebook. We'll keep these power rankings coming weekly, so follow us for the rest of the season. It should be a fun ride. But we've been hanging out in the end zone long enough tonight. It's time to finish this episode of the Tuesday Touchdown the same way NFL players cap off every big score by delivering the spike. The key to any relationship is good communication. And right now, the marriage between the NFL and its fans is on the rocks. It's always been common for fans to curse the league and its officials when calls don't go their way, but with the NFL's recent emphasis on protecting the quarterback, it's as if they're now speaking completely different languages. The NFL understandably wants to protect its most valuable investment, franchise quarterbacks, but it is doing so to the detriment of all those who make a living rushing the passer. 
Over the weekend, we saw Dolphins defensive end William Hayes tear his ACL while trying to avoid landing with his full body weight on Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. Hayes won't be the last player who puts his body in an awkward, potentially dangerous position while trying to complete the now delicate task of sacking the quarterback. Last season, NFL officials called an average of six roughing the passer penalties per week. So far this season, that number has nearly doubled, as a total of 33 roughing the passer penalties have been called through the first three weeks. And these additional calls are starting to have an impact on the outcome of games. Last year, we were all asking, what's a catch? This year, we're asking, what's a sack? At this rate, before long, we'll be asking, what's football? This is the Tuesday Touchdown, and that was the spike. Thanks for watching today's show. Please remember to like and follow 24-7 Sports Live on Facebook. You can find me on social media by searching my name, Kevin Boylard. Major shouts out to Mike the producer and A.A. Ron in the control room. And two thumbs up to the ever-informative and always original Steve T. as well. Tune in next week for another episode of the Tuesday Touchdown. And in the meantime, keep it locked at 24-7 Sports, where we're talking your team all the time.